gorgeous. This is Way, the Who Am I podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you're having an amazing day so far and get ready because this episode is probably going to be one of my favorite today. I'm so freaking excited about it. Uh, if this is your first time, I highly suggest going to my intro track to um, find out what this podcast is all about and starting from chapter one because we are in chapter 10 and oh my God, I've covered so much, but we are finally getting into the personal development side and what started really changing my life. Um, So I'm just going to get right into chapter 10, the books that opened my mind. So I was trying to figure out how am I going to like share everything that I read and all that I learned. And so today I went through my Kindle and I went through all the quotes or all of the things that I highlighted. And I'm going to share a lot of them with you because I feel like, you know, I'm not an expert at all of this stuff. I'm learning and I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm moving towards mastery with this. Like this is something that my heart explodes. Like my learning and sharing all of this information is my passion. Like this is my purpose in life. And it is so amazing to finally realize that. But I also realize that sometimes, um, maybe information coming from a different source and who you're listening to can be really good. So I'm going to do a lot of quotes um, in this episode. So get ready. It's going to be a lot of content. Oh my God, this is going to be good. And I hope that this episode inspires you to read some of these books because obviously there's way more content than I'm going to give you today. I would just encourage you to take a moment and set your intention for what you want to get from this podcast, maybe even pause this episode, sit and take a couple breaths, quiet your mind, quiet yourself, and just set the intention to get whatever you need from this episode. Because I can almost guarantee that you're going to get something that you may have or that you're going to have an aha moment and set your intention for that. Set your intention to receive whatever you need to receive today because there is quite a lot of information that I'm going to share. And in my last uh, podcast, I was talking about how therapy changed my life and how I started seeing Jen and um, she got me to read the attached book. And that one, I actually didn't write down any of my, um, any of what I saved from that book. But to be quite honest, I think that everyone on earth should read the attached book because it is just so incredibly um, insightful and it's just a tool to get to know yourself better and to potentially have better relationships because who doesn't want a good relationship? So on that note, I'm going to start with the first book that I read. So in November 2018, I started reading Mindful Relationship Habits by S.J. Scott. It's a book with 25 mindful habits to use in relationship, like learning love languages, learning about emotional intelligence, how to connect, etc. And I started implementing what I learned in the relationship. I don't have any notes from this one, but... It's pretty self-explanatory and it was a very quick read. And you know what? Sometimes you get, you just get like some insight and you're like, oh shit, like maybe I need to learn how to connect more or maybe I need to work on my emotional intelligence. Maybe I'm asking too much for my partner and I'm not working on myself 
as well. Um, sometimes these revelations can, can be a little sting, like it can sting a little bit. I've had plenty of those revelations where I was like, oh my God, I'm being so selfish in this relationship and it's all about me and I'm not thinking about the other person. And I think we're very selfish creatures sometimes. And so then the next book I read was in November and it was called I Hear You by Michael Sorensen. And Oh my God, this one made me realize that I don't know how to feel my emotions and it's very hard for me to have empathy for others. I, I've always thought that I could like, sometimes I feel what other people are feeling, but then because I don't know how to deal with my own emotions, I want to fix the problem rather than feeling that emotion. And this book talks all about validating feelings and not trying to fix the problem, which is something that I am currently working on because I've realized that I want to help so badly and I feel like I have good advice. I mean, come on, I'm pretty sure we all feel like that when we give advice, but people generally aren't looking for advice. They are just looking to be heard And there is a four-step validation method that this book talks about, and it's one, listen empathetically, two, validate the emotion, three, offer advice or encouragement, and four, validate the emotion again. I feel like this is something that we all could work on um, and that we can start cultivating better relationships by starting to work on some of this stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the I hear you quotes. So the first one is being listened to and heard is one of the greatest desires of the human heart. Listen, seek to understand and then validate. That third point is a secret sauce, the magic ingredient. Validation is the act of recognizing and affirming the validity or worth of a person's emotions. Essentially, validation means to say to someone, I hear you, I get what you're feeling, and it's perfectly all right to feel that way. More often than not, people who vent or complain already know how to handle their current situation. They are just looking for someone to see and appreciate their struggle. I have to comment on this one because this is something that I I realized I've realized this multiple times, but I didn't actually really understand that I was doing this to Dan or I have been doing this to Dan a lot of our relationship because he'll, he'll try to vent to me and then I'll just won't validate his feelings. And then I'll try and give an example of how he could fix the problem because I just want to fix it because I, I see him hurting and I just want him to not hurt anymore, but I'm making the situation worse because he doesn't need me to figure it out. He needs me to hear him and to validate him. And this is something that I feel like we can all work on and just keep your opinions to yourself and really actively listen to the person who is venting to you, especially if they're getting emotional. Just let them feel that feeling and make them feel like they are understood. So here's going back into the quotes. Offering validation before or instead of offering advice or assurance is often the best way to help. Doing so helps others let go of difficult emotions much more quickly, often allowing them to find a solution to the problem on their own. Leading with validation also increases the likelihood that others will listen to and accept your advice. Really listen to that one because that one really got me today. Because instead of thinking about the advice that can help them, I am making a commitment 
to lead with validation and don't even worry about asking, you know, offering your advice. Don't even worry about the advice. If they want advice from you, they will ask you. And if you validate their feelings, they're more likely to listen to you. Shocker. That seems so basic when I say it out loud, but it's so hard to do in real life. So back to the quotes. If someone is distraught, angry, or concerned, validating them is your best chance at getting them to be receptive to feedback. The great thing is you can validate someone even if you disagree with them. Learning to do so will give you a valuable tool for navigating confrontations, negotiations, disagreements, and the like. This is another thing that really got me, and especially in relationships. Like, how often do you fight with your partner, and you're just really angry, and they're trying to tell you, like, how to fix it, and you're like, shut the fuck up. Like, I just want you to validate my feelings. Like, I'm feeling crazy right now, and I just need you to hear me. So I know we have all been on the opposite side of that. Like, we have all taken both positions in that scenario, And I think learning this is really, like it says, really valuable in just listening, shutting up for a few moments to listen to someone. How hard is that? Ask for validation when you need it. When you need validation, ask for it specifically rather than hoping others figure it out. If the person you're talking with isn't familiar with validation, fill them in on the basics and be specific about what you are and aren't looking for. Learn to validate yourself. Resist the temptation to minimize or ignore your own emotions and focus instead on acknowledging and accepting them. Practicing self-compassion and learning to validate yourself is a critical part in developing strong emotional health and happiness. Here's a script that you can use from the book. Hey, I'm feeling stressed out right now and need some validation. Can I vent for a minute? I don't want any feedback or any suggestions for fixing it. I'd just like you to hear me out and help me to not feel crazy. So after I read I Hear You, I wanted to learn more about emotions because I realized that I do not know how to feel the quote unquote bad emotions. I stuff them down. I push them away. I try and figure out a way to get the hell out of that emotion as quickly as I possibly can. So I started reading The Power of Emotions by Ganesh Kumar and realized that I did not know how to feel. (laughs) And this was huge for me because I'm still learning how to feel them. Um, It's hard. Like feeling a feeling is not pleasant, but the more you pay attention to it and the more you feel it and the more you try and figure out where it came from, that's when you can let it go and have release and freedom from that feeling. And then you learn how to manage them better. And this is scary. Like this is so scary to feel your emotions. And my God, like why are we not teaching children about this in school? Like I never learned from my parents. They never learned from their parents. And thankfully, like people are starting to open their minds and start learning. So after I read this, book, I started reading The Secrets of Six-Figure Women by Barbara Stanny. Holy crap. You, please, 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 if you're distracted right now, stop and play this later or get to a space where you can listen. Because after I read this book, I wanted to shout it from the rooftop to all women 
if you can't tell already, women are, I'm so passionate about women and connection and learning and growing and supporting each other. And that's like the whole reason I started this podcast. And if you're a guy, like you can totally get information from this as well, but women have a hard time receiving this and women have a lot of issues around money and women have a lot of issues with confidence. And I'll, I'm going to talk more about it in the next book, but confidence has been let like our DNA, our genes, like for some reason, women have less of it and we have to work harder than men. And that sucks, but it is what it is. And once you, once you start realizing that, then your mind can totally change. Your life can change. Like after I read this book, I realized that we can all be six figure earners. And no matter what you do, if you work for yourself, if you work for someone else, like it is possible. And man, this book really, really fired me up and it still fires me up because I want everyone to get to that place. Financial freedom is necessary. Abundance is our birthright. We are meant to live amazing lives. After I read this book, this is when I set my intention to be a six-figure earner and I know that I can get there and I'm setting my intention towards it. And after I read this book, it became attainable in my mind because I highly suggest reading this, but it talks about like this lady interviewed multiple women. Some were like, Charles Schwab CEOs and I can't relate to that but then this other lady she filed bankruptcy she was 70 she started a coaching um, business and in a year she became a six-figure earner and since I have read this book I have re- I have learned about so many people just like me who have made six figures and more it is attainable once you start changing your mindset so I read this book in December and I'm pretty sure like around that time I started really seeing a change in my income. It was so crazy. I'll talk more about that later in probably a business episode or something, but I'm going to get to the quotes because they're so good. So here are the quotes from The Secrets of Six-Figure Women by Barbara Stanny. Success rarely comes to the passive or pessimistic. It was the intensity of focus on their work, not the number of hours they spent doing it that factored so heavily into these women's financial success. Belief in yourself doesn't mean the absence of self-doubt. Beneath their confident exteriors lurked layers of insecurity, yet despite their qualms, these women managed to become incredibly successful, professionally and financially. How did they do it? Their secret is this. Feel the fear. Have the doubts. Go for it anyway. I'm going to read that again. Feel the fear. Have the doubts. Go for it anyway. Once we realize our challenges are purposeful, they need no longer be painful. Once we stop seeing them as stumbling blocks, we can start using them as stepping stones. Indeed, the moment we stop waiting and start acting, we have the opportunity to walk through a door to a richer, fuller, more abundant life. If there's one thing I've learned about life, it's this. Nothing changes until we do. Listen to that again. Nothing changes until we do, until you do, until I do, nothing will change. If you have any hope of raising the earnings bar, the place to start is with what's in your head. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and be very controversial here. I've said this before, and I don't want you to think that I'm downgrading or think that uh, sexism isn't a thing because I totally think it is a thing. But I also think that we have to take some responsibility 
for that because we aren't asking for the raises. We aren't being confident. We aren't taking action. We aren't doing the things to put us in the position to get paid better. So think about that for a minute and don't let it get you down. But I think that there is a revolution of women who are changing their mindset, who are raising the earning bar, and who are going on to do badass things and living an abundant life. And I want you to be one of those women. So back to the quotes. Never underestimate the power of your thoughts to create your reality. The mind is the most powerful tool you have for transforming your relationship to money and your ability your ability to earn it. As Buddha observed, all that we are arises from our thoughts. It became so apparent during my interviews that high earners think differently than their lower paid cohorts. The real work in raising the bar is to stop doing the same old thing you've always done, to try out new strategies, to ignore false alarms, to resist the urge to to quit, and to refuse to fall back into familiar terrain. The ability to tolerate discomfort, doing what might not feel good, but doing it anyway, is the only way you'll ever complete the path to financial success. It helps to keep in mind that the discomfort is temporary, but the payoff is extraordinary. When you commit to a goal without knowing exactly how you'll achieve it, you automatically trigger a tremendous power. When your intentions are deep and compelling and your commitment strong and inflexible, you're more likely to keep going when the going gets rough. When people tell you you're crazy or you're out of your league, when your accountant sees red and your future looks black, when what you want and what you've got are light years apart, a clean intention is like a firm but gentle hand on your back and a voice that whispers, keep going. What kept me going was my belief that if I kept my eye on the prize and didn't quit, whatever the odds were, whatever the obstacles were, I could achieve whatever I wanted. Where your intention goes, you go. Your intention becomes your reality. Gary Zaklov. When your intention is strong and your commitment is staunch, the how-tos invariably show up. I saw over and over how once the woman I was talking to set their sights on higher earnings, lo and behold, that's what they got. While intention is a magnet that attracts what we want, letting go provides the space for our desire to manifest. If our minds are full of limiting thoughts, there's no room for the expansive ones. What do I know in my heart is keeping me from feeling satisfied and successful? What situations, relationships, beliefs, attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and choices have I made that are no longer serving me? Man, the like that book was so good. Like that was definitely a huge huge breaking point for me and getting me to think about my money mindset and getting me to open my open my view to making more. I've never made more than 20k and you know what's funny? When I was looking through my live journals, I set my intention to make 100k and I knew that I was going to make it. But I didn't push through the failures. I let myself get complacent and I let myself get into a victim mindset and I let my thoughts take over. And so I didn't achieve that goal. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that I am achieving that goal this year. And to be quite honest with you, my reality looks like slim to none that I'll hit that goal. But I'm not letting that stop me. I'm not letting that affect me. And I know that it's going to happen. And my intention is going to set that manifestation. And I 
just know with like 100% in my heart that's going to happen. And that's where we need to be in order to get and see the results. So at the end of December, I read a book called The Confidence Code by Katie Kay and Claire Shipman because I wanted to learn how to be more confident. And oh my God, this book helped me so much. I realized that I was ruminating too much and it was affecting my life. I started to share what I was learning to my clients at this point because I want us all to be confident, wealthy, happy, gorgeous babes who love themselves and want to serve others. I want us all to be living our best lives. This is why I am doing this podcast because I want to share everything I've learned and maybe now you understand like why I'm so excited about this because these books really changed my life and it's just been like growth and learning and a little bit of stumbling and some failures and then growth and learning and learning from my mistakes and growing and pushing through and pushing past the anxiety and like getting to be that strong badass woman that I am. And I want us all to be there. So here's some notes from the confidence code. In the most basic terms, what we need to do is start acting and risking and failing and stop mumbling and apologizing. It isn't that women don't have the abilities to succeed. It's that we don't seem to believe we can succeed. And that stops us from even trying. Women are so keen to get everything just right that we are terrified of getting something wrong. But if we don't take risks will never reach the next level. When a man imagining his future career looks in the mirror, he sees a senator staring back. A woman would never be so presumptuous. That alarmingly simple observation from Marie Wilson, a veteran of women's political movements, was in many ways the launch pad for this exploration. Perhaps most striking of all, we found that success correlates more closely with confidence than it does with competence. Yes, there is evidence that confidence is more important than ability when it comes to getting ahead. With diligent effort, we can all choose to expand our confidence, but we will get there only if we stop trying to be perfect and start being prepared to fail. I think that confidence is the way we meet our circumstances, whether they are wondrous and wonderful or really hard and difficult. It's almost like a whole heartedness where we're not holding back. We're not fragmented. We're not divided. We're just going towards what's happening. There's an energy to it. I think that's confidence and it's absolutely part of human fulfillment. Mastery is in the process and progress. It is about work and learning to develop an appetite for challenge. Mastery inevitably means encountering hurdles. You won't always overcome them, but you won't let them stop you from trying. You may never become a world-class swimmer, but you will learn to swim across the lake. And the unexpected byproduct of all of that hard work you put into mastering things? Confidence. This next point is invaluable. The confidence you get from mastery is contagious. It spreads. It doesn't even really matter what you master. For a child, it can be as simple as tying a shoe. What matters is that mastering one thing gives you the confidence to try something else. You know the old saying, it's all in your head? Well, when it comes to confidence, it's wrong. One of the most unexpected and vital conclusions we reached is that confidence isn't even close to all in your head. Indeed, you have to get out of your head to create it and use it. Confidence occurs when the insidious self-perception that you aren't able is trumped by the stark reality of your achievements. Confidence is linked to doing. We are convinced that one of the essential ingredients in confidence is action. 
that belief that we can succeed at things or make them happen. Confidence is not letting your doubts consume you. It is a willingness to go out of your comfort zone and do hard things. We were also sure that confidence must be about hard work, mastery, about having resilience and not giving up. The confidence cousins can all support that goal. It's easier to keep going if you are optimistic about the outcome. If you have self-efficacy in one area and use it, you will create more general confidence. If you have high self-esteem and believe you are intrinsically valuable, you won't assume your boss thinks you are not worthy of a raise. And if you fail, self-compassion will give you the chance not to berate yourself, but to take your failure more lightly. Some of the most dramatic examples of a change in the brain's function and structure have involved basic meditation. Meditation can physically change our brains. I want to make a note on that really quick. Um, I'm pretty sure it's called neuroplasticity. Basically, it says that we can change our brain. We can change a lot of things about ourselves. And that makes me feel like a powerful badass and I've seen it happen and I've seen the changes. And if my brain was scanned a year ago and then scanned again today, I am 100% sure that there would be physical changes. Look into this stuff because it's really, really deep and interesting, but I 100% believe it. So back to the book, making mistakes and taking risks, behavior critical for confidence building is also behavior girls try to avoid to their detriment. They lose confidence so they quit trying and thereby depriving themselves of one of the best ways to regain it. Another unhelpful habit most of us have is overthinking. Women spend far too much time undermining themselves with tortured cycles of useless self-recrimination. It is the opposite of taking action, that cornerstone of confidence. There is a formal word for it ruminating. Women do a lot more ruminating than men, and we have to get out of our heads if we want to build confidence. Susan Nolan Hoxima wrote in her book, Women Who Think Too Much. We have many reasons to be happy and confident, yet when there is any pause in our daily activities, many of us are flooded with worries, thoughts, and emotions that swirl out of control, sucking our emotions and energy down, down, down. We are suffering from an epidemic of overthinking. With so many self-imposed obstacles for growing confidence, it's a wonder we have any at all. But transformation is often so simple. Breskel has learned, for example, that if she just puts her work out there without obsessive thought, things happen. It's either accepted or it's not. And she's learned to value the feedback that comes with rejection. It's let her make corrections and then try again. That's the cycle that breeds excellence and mastery, allows us to stretch our limits and create self-assurance. Confidence requires a growth mindset because believing that skills can be learned leads to doing new things. It encourages risk and it supports resilience when we fail. We need to fail again and again so that it becomes part of our DNA. If we get busy failing in little ways, we will stop ruminating on our possible shortcomings and imagining worst case scenarios. We'll be taking action instead of analyzing every possible nook and crevice of a potential plan. If we can embrace failure as forward progress, then we can spend time on the other critical confidence skill, mastery. So yeah, that book is really good. I highly suggest it. This was just a small part of everything that I, my takeaway from that book. Um, so after I read that, uh, in January, I started reading Emotional Intelligence by Alex C. Wolf, which really helped me to start breaking down my emotions and start paying attention to my thoughts and start reframing and shifting them. Here are some quotes from that book. 
Acceptance, awareness, and insight into certain emotions are the key to getting rid of them. Suppression of the emotions felt makes you lose touch with yourself. It makes you stop accepting yourself. It makes you tell yourself, I have to feel great all at all times. It's the denial of emotion that distances us from the voice of intuition and leads to continuous and often pointless verbal thoughts. The sooner you realize that a certain feeling is present in you right now, the more control over it you can gain. Where did they come from? What's going on in your head in the moment before the emotion appears? What thought triggers this feeling? When an emotion appears, close your eyes and find where exactly in your body it is located and where the emotion starts. Discover how the emotion comes to life. Is it a sudden explosion or slow birth? What is the course and intensity of these emotions? How and where do they end? How long do they last? The best way to control your emotions is to effectively control your thoughts. Emotional denial is a consequence of the social belief that emotions are bad, that we shouldn't feel negative emotions, that emotions have to be fully controlled at all times and suppressed. Every single negative emotion is an arrow sign pointing towards a problem which needs your attention. When I read that today, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that is so good. Like we're so conditioned or we think that we have to be happy and positive and whatever all the time. And when we feel a negative emotion, it's bad. But that negative emotion is trying to tell us something. It's trying to tell us that there's something that needs addressing. There's something that needs your attention. Okay, back to the book. The very foundation of emotional intelligence is emotional awareness, meaning the ability to identify your emotions and express them. Remember that reframing is not about lying to yourself. You won't start lying because of reframing. You have already been lying to yourself. It turns out that more than 90% of situations people stress out about never become real. Even if they do, they're certainly much easier to overcome than anything they would have originally thought. People create their own private hell that only exists in their minds. Your thoughts and reality are two different things. You usually don't react to reality. You react to your thoughts about reality. Think about that one for a second. When you're reacting to something, is it because it's in your head or is it because it's true and real and right in front of you? Like if that's the only thing you take away from this, that is a good one because our thoughts are creating this alternate reality and it's not true it's not real um okay back to the book a thought can trigger suffering in you only when you believe it is true however when you stop believing in this thought it stops affecting you i discovered that when i believed in my thoughts i was suffering and when i did not believe in them i was not suffering and that it applied to everyone else Freedom is so simple. I discovered that suffering is a choice. I discovered the joy inside of me, which has never disappeared since then, even for a moment. This joy is present in everyone at all times. Stop focusing on what you don't want in your life. Your thoughts and emotions are a form of energy you send out. It always returns to you, sometimes in other seemingly unrelated life situations. If you focus on destructive events and behaviors, you will often come across destructive events and behaviors. If you start focusing on the positives in your life instead and start creating the positive energy within you, you will see reality in bright colors. I talk about this because... 
I feel like I've lived my whole life in grayscale. And once I started doing these things and focusing on the positive, I've always thought I was a positive person until I started figuring all of this out. Because while I projected that I was positive in my head, I was very negative. And once I started becoming positive and reframing my thoughts and retraining my brain, rebuilding my brain, I started seeing the world in bright colors. It's so shiny and bright and lovely and beautiful and amazing when you stop thinking negatively. Okay, back to the book. What do you want to have instead? That's a great question to ask yourself anytime you focus on the things that you don't want in life. It's extremely important not to focus on the problem, but on the solution. The awareness of the thought processes that are happening is the very first step to any self-change. If you're still with me, thank you so much. We're almost done. I hope that uh, I didn't overwhelm you with too much content. So at this point, I started becoming more confident. I was happier. The layers were starting to come off. I started I started enjoying life and I started becoming so happy and like seeing the future as bright instead of like daunting. Um, but I also, it was hard because I remember feeling a little weird because at this point, I started doing really well with my business and Dan wasn't. I was growing in multiple ways. I was growing with my mindset and I was growing with my finances and Dan wasn't and he was depressed and I wasn't and I would try and encourage him but I didn't feel like it was working. Shocker because I was trying to help fix the problem not just hear him and be there for him and I started being super encouraging and I saw his potential and I saw like I wanted him to see him how I saw him and that's how I felt so much in my life like I see the potential in people and I see what's holding them back and I'm like hey here's your problem here's your solution here are the steps to do it go do it but I have to realize that people are on their own journeys and we all have these limited mindsets and these limited beliefs and sometimes we learn them when we're like six years old and then we go through throughout life thinking these ways and so I think maybe that's a huge revelation that I've had is that not everyone is at the same level and that is okay. As long as you figure it out at some point, it's okay. And I realized that Dan, he hated himself. His writing on his wall was, I hate myself so much. And he was in such a dark hole and it broke my heart. Like it was just so sad to see him so sad and I couldn't help him. So in late February, I started to read The Science of Self-Talk by Ian Tavosky. And holy crap, this book is so freaking good. It helped me learn more about emotional intelligence and the power of my thoughts. There's a chapter that talks about the effects of negative self-talk. And it made me so sad because I recognized a lot of these things in Dan. So around this time, I was working on speaking up and being myself. And I would think things like, I need to share this with Dan. But then ego or my chatter that my mind would be like, no, you know, don't do it. Or I would be scared. I was too scared to share this stuff with him because maybe I thought it would push him away. So I'll I'll never forget that day. I, I set the intention. I need to read this book to Dan. And I think it was around the time where it was like some crazy cold day. And so he didn't know if he was going to go to work or not. And I set my intention like either way, I'm going to read him this chapter. And so I don't know what I said. I was probably like, 
I need to read this chapter to you. Please, can you listen open-mindedly and just listen? And I read like four or five pages to him. And at first he was a little resistant. And then it felt like he got it. And it was so empowering for me because I didn't. I faced my fear and I shared something with him. And I shared something with him that maybe like instead of me saying something, a book could get through to him. Even if I read it, maybe some other source of information could help to help him, you know. And so I read, I I could tell that it, it touched him and I knew that he was destroying his life with his mind. And I think he finally realized that around that time. And this is when we started to grow and he started opening up to me more and we were finally starting to help each other. So in March, I read The Science of Effective Communication and Emotional Intelligence, also by Ian Tavosky. And I started learning how to communicate more effectively, but I was still having trouble with my emotions. It was really, really hard for me to like express what I was feeling because I didn't understand what I was feeling. So there was a suggestion in one of the books I I read to read fiction in order to understand how people feel their feelings because it's so descriptive in a book. And I read A Curve in the Road by Julianne McLean and I was hooked. I got drawn into this fictional world and it was so nice to escape my world because while I was growing and changing and leveling up, Dan really wasn't. And it was like this turmoil within me because I really wanted so desperately to share what I was learning, but it was hard it was hard. So then I think for a couple months, I, for basically all of March and May, I was reading all these fictional books and I started reading the color of heaven series by Julianne McLean. And I read 13 books within like a two week period. And then I think it must've been around this time that I started getting into podcasts and I found Brendan Bouchard and I ended up ordering his book, High Performance Habits. And this is when like all of the good stuff finally started happening. And obviously I highly recommend all of these books, especially High Performance Habits. But to be quite honest, I think that I was in the perfect place to receive what that book had to offer because I'd already been putting in the work by reading all these other books. And obviously, either way, read that book because it really helped me gain some clarity. And I'm probably going to have a whole episode on that book because that's when things like really started happening. And I'm very excited about that. But up next is going to be the podcast episode. There are so many podcasts. I'm going to share like the same sort of journey as I did with these books. And 100%, if you got through this, if you're still listening now, thank you so much. I hope that you got something out of this. I hope that you can maybe listen to this again and reference it and write it down. Um, I have a lot of these. I typed up everything that I read. So if you want these quotes, um, feel free to DM me because I'll put something together for you um, because I think it's really important. And I think it's really important to read the books yourself because you're going to get different insight than I would and something else that I didn't um, that I didn't highlight may help you with your life and this out of all of the episodes that I've recorded so far this is the one that I am asking you to share because I feel like there's so much good content in this 
episode. And even if you don't read the books, I hope that you got something out of it. And if you did, share it with your friends, share it with your partner, share it with your girlfriend, share it with your social media network. Like, I really want to get this into as many hands or ears as possible. So that is my ask of you today. Um, I highly suggest just... I mean, I guess the main takeaway of all of these books is I started listening to my thoughts. I know I keep talking about being the watcher of your thoughts because it's so important. I've been doing this to to some extent for the last year and I still have days where I falter. I still have days where the chatter in my head draws me back in and I still have days where I'm like, what the hell is happening? And to be quite honest, I use my emotions and my feelings as a temperature gauge for that. Because if I'm feeling tense or um, fearful or worried or stressed or whatever in my body, I know that that's an indicator that something's happening. And so then I start looking deeper into it like well wait what happened and then I'll trace it to something and then I'll be able to eradicate that from my brain but there's times where it takes a couple weeks to like pinpoint that thing so be gentle with yourself because it's going to be a constant I don't want to say battle but it's going to be a constant um, challenge in your life to to essentially you're I feel like we're fighting our old self we're fighting ego we're fighting our brain we're fighting ourself in a sense I feel like we're all like Gemini's where we're like these Jekyll and Hyde's and we've got this Jekyll part of our brain that's like you can't do it you suck you're a loser you're fat you're ugly blah 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 and then we've got this other side of us who's like no I'm me and it's okay and I want to live my life and I want to show people who I am but I'm scared and ego takes over and I have had my body and my brain has been on autopilot for so long and I'm finally me who am I I'm Lindsay I am me and that person is finally showing up but ego tries really hard to tear that person down and it, it can be a struggle it's hard it's not easy this life is not easy but it's the best life you can possibly live because you're being you and you're you're doing what you're meant to do I feel like we all are put on this earth for something. We all have passion. We all have something deep down in our heart that you know you're supposed to do. And sometimes it takes a long freaking time to get there. It took me 34 years to finally figure out that way was my thing. Like, I know this is going to get big. It's going to get huge there. And not to be cocky, but I just know because I want to reach as many people as I can with this information. And yeah, I'm going to stop rambling now because I, this was a long episode. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Tell all your friends, tag me on social media, follow me on social media. I'm way podcast W A I on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you subscribe, leave me a review, uh, leave me an honest review. I want to know what you think and ask me questions. I want to engage with you. I want to talk with you like you guys are why I'm doing all of this. And if I only reach you and that's the only person I reach, my goal is complete. So I hope you have a wonderful day, gorgeous, and I will talk to you later. Bye.